I'm Billy Buttery, and this is Food is Culture, a podcast. Sorry if you tried to tune in last week. I mentioned in an earlier episode my birthday is at the end of May. I spent the week eating and cheersing to my heart's content. What does someone who loves food and cooking eat on their birthday? Well, I'll let you in on a little secret. A guilty pleasure of mine is Jack Astor's sauced up chicken fingers with poutine, and I like to slather my poutine in hot sauce and mayo. I know, delicious. <laughs> Listen, I'm Canadian, and poutine is essentially a love language, so we had takeout for dinner on my birthday. And most years I bake my own cake, but this year I opted to indulge in a store-bought tiramisu. My mom brought one over from Italy, and it was delectable. I should preface this by saying that I started my birthday by doing a Zoom-style Pilates workout with some girlfriends, because balance, one of the ladies that joined on that workout is today guest. Lana Lantos is a powerhouse wrapped in a yogi. A certified yoga instructor, she runs these absolutely gorgeous yoga retreats all over the world. Well, something kept happening on these retreats. Her guests were having these amazing life-changing breakthroughs and she wanted to be able to support them as best she could. She has since become a registered psychotherapist and has a wonderful practice. I met Lana years ago when she taught private yoga sessions. Those classes were so grounding for me as a new mom at the time. And now a newish mom herself, Lana approaches food and indulgences a little different than before. In this episode, we talk mindful eating and lack thereof while busy mothering. She thinks indulging mindfully in a way that's enjoyable is a form of self-care. We also talk booze, caffeine, backyard gardens, feeding babies, feeding ourselves, fasting, and how pretty much all moms everywhere want to go to a club with their girlfriends in Miami right about now, or maybe a silent retreat. Oh, to not hear mummy yelled for a full day. I hope you'll enjoy this episode. Lana, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so happy to have you here. Oh, it's a pleasure. I'm so excited about our talk today, and I'm even more excited because I just listened to um, your latest episode of your podcast, and I was so intrigued by the whole um, the whole topic of ritual and ceremony, which I think goes so perfectly in hand in hand with food. Obviously, um, so I'm excited to dive into that as well. Oh, nice! I'm so I'm so happy. You know, like I think like I enjoy having these sort sorts of conversations, and I hope people listen to them. But you never you never know. Uh, <laughs> so thanks for taking the time. Yeah. Okay. Well, first, let's start with your cultural background and how you define that. Yeah. Well, I was born in a country that doesn't exist. So anymore, it doesn't exist anymore. I was born, I was born in former Yugoslavia in Sarajevo. And I'm half Serbian, half Croatian. And um, the sort of life that I had growing up in Europe was that you lived sort of, you lived in the city, but the summers you would spend in the village with your grandparents. So I feel like um, growing up, I had these sort of two different ways of engaging with people and engaging with food, which is, you know, a huge part of what women would do, which is, you know, uh, spend the whole day cooking for the family in some capacity. So food is a, has definitely been a, a big part of my upbringing and a way that we experience family life. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love, you know, the European traditions of spending summers a little bit more simply and, you know, a little bit more, I don't know if down to earth is the way to put it, but, you know, outside of the city. And I really, um, you know, I think that you paint such a beautiful picture with that, you know, just 
being able to smell amazing food all day and sit down as a family and enjoy a dinner. That sounds wonderful. Yeah. Well, I know that you, you love, you love uh, Greece and I, Croatia sort of like that kind of way of living in the country in Croatia is, is, is kind of similar to that with, you know, like with the fig trees and a lot of snacks. (laughs) So, So, yeah. I love that. And then I want to talk about what you do, because I think that that will be a really good um, way to sort of lead into the conversation we're going to have today and how you define what it is you do. Well, my first sort of way of engaging with sort of in a work way has been through um, mindfulness practice and meditation practice and, and yoga retreats. So I'm a long time yoga person and meditation teacher. So that's been the last maybe 20 years of my life. And uh, in the last eight years, I've, I've studied and have become a registered psychotherapist. So now my work has shifted a little bit more uh, with working with private clients but initially what, what drew me was working with people and working with groups and being on retreat, being with people for extended periods of time, because I feel like uh, group work is super powerful and, and um, you can get like sort of a lot out of being in community with each other and, and being with each other. Totally. And I've, I've always, you know, looked at photos of your retreats and they just look so amazing. You know, I hope that one day we can, you know, as a globe, get back there where we can all travel freely and, you know, experience community in that sense again. Um, when planning retreats, was food ever sort of like a big consideration? Yeah. I mean, it has, it has to be. Food is really, really, really important. And I'll share like a quick story that doesn't have to do with my retreat, but um, my first retreats that I went to were uh, silent meditation retreats. And I remember going to these like beautiful places to be in meditation practice. And I guess like the first few years, it wasn't, um, I don't want to say this like in a, in a negative way, but it wasn't organized in a way that supported the long periods of meditation. So the food would like have lots of sugar or like would be really dense, which is like not great if you're sitting for long periods of time, right? Mm -hmm. You want your nervous system to really settle. So the first sort of ideas that I had about food and being on retreats comes from traditional Zen practice where the person that's in the kitchen is like the most important person Mm -hmm. because they're cooking for everyone and it's like a really important job. So when I started to um, get inspired to host my own retreats, I got obsessed with being on land that had a particular kind of energy, like let's say a healing energy, but also that you could see like who's making the food and where the food is coming from. And so most of my retreats, like the people that are in the kitchen, like are part of the retreat and they they really matter. Uh, they're nourishing the whole the whole place. So it's a it's a huge deal. Food is a huge huge deal on retreat. Mm, totally. Well, I'm sort of started touching in the last couple of years. Of, I'm going to butcher the word, but the um, Ayurveda 
sort of mm-hmm. methodology sort of ideas where when you're preparing food, you're really infusing with the intention of who's going to be eating this food and what this food is going to nourish and how the food is going to, you know, be uh, processed and flourish in your body. And I really think about that now, um, especially feeding my children, obviously, you know, how the food what I'm making and the ingredients I'm putting in are nourishing them. And then it's, you know, it's not just for, to make them fall, it's to nourish them and for fuel. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with you. I mean, I know that you're a beautiful cook um, and I agree with what you're saying. It's, it is, it is important to make something that tastes good, of course. And some people have like a better touch than other people to make something taste a particular kind of way. But the truth of the matter is that like the things that are really good for us are not necessarily uh, what you would think. Like I know like when I go to my acupuncturist and I do quite a bit of acupuncture after treatment, they would say, oh, you know, like you need to have a stew right now. And it would be like the middle of the summer, you know, and it's like. I don't actually feel like having (laughs) stew right now, but (laughs) there's like, there's certain thing, there's a certain, there's a certain way of approaching, um, food that like, when you start to get really sort of more in tune with like your organs and, and your body and your children and your family, like you can actually know what, what's more soothing for the whole system. Mm -hmm. Well, and I mean, just like simple things like processed sugar, you know, and now with my four-year-old is just a no-no, just, you know, <laughs> I can see instant reaction with what he eats, with his mood and how he processes the food in his system, you know, and I have a funny story. So um, a couple of years ago, well, probably about six or seven years ago now, I had kind of gone all day without eating and I stopped, stopped at a like sort of takeout Asian restaurant and had gotten fried noodles, but I had forgotten I had signed up for a hot yoga class. And when I remembered it oh was going to cancel, but I was like, oh, I'll just go, whatever. <laughs> so I just was like, I'll just make sure I hide. Like I knew enough to hydrate because I had had like fried MSG noodles. So I'd had like a big glass of water right before the yoga class. <laughs> I walk into my hot yoga Midway, I felt so bad for everyone because I felt like I was sweating out soy sauce and MSG. I felt so bad for everyone around me. I felt so gross (laughs) and like extra hot because I just had like devoured a massive like container of noodles and then drank like a liter of water to try and like wash it down quickly. (laughs) That's so funny. Did you make it through? uh, Honestly, I feel like I like end up lying down. You know, it was a yoga class with Johnny at I Am Yoga. Oh, wow. Like, like there's no, you know, slacking in his classes. Yeah, it's a it's it's a full on full on practice. Yeah, I think I I think I started shavasana like a bit early that day. <laughs> um, but after that, I really learned my lesson, and um, you know, since then, I think that was like a really big light bulb moment for me that you really need to think of what you're doing that day and feel your body accordingly and eat accordingly. Yeah. I think like I, I'm learning a lot, like now being a mom, you know, cause that you can have like all these like really great ideas about like what you would like to do and like how you would like to eat or like cleanses, like sort of like when you're single and living on your own, but like when you start mm-hmm. to include other people um, and now that I have like a one-year-old, it's like sometimes quick 
quick. Like I find myself eating really quickly mm-hmm. and, and it's like, Oh, like, yeah, did I eat? Like, like what just happened? Is this like, I have just eaten because I'm like really hungry and I'm trying to feed uh, Hugo and like, I'm eating while he's eating and it's actually, it's requiring a lot more attention for me to realize that that food is actually being absorbed. So sometimes it's like, I need a snack after that just to feel like I have taken that nourishment in. Mm -hmm. And so I think mindfulness practice with eating has been like really interesting now having a child and having less space to like, just think about myself Mm-hmm. For yeah. sure. And I mean, just knowing you, like I can imagine you, well, I know how much you love coffee and love, you know, chai tea and the whole ritual of preparing tea, even, you know, something as simple as tea, but tea is revered all over the world and there's ceremonies dedicated to tea. And when you're a single person, you know, and I'm, I'm using the word single before, as like before child, because right. Right. <laughs> Because as a mother, I think that you're never really single ever again. <laughs> There's always another part of you. Um, but when, before I had uh, Rome, I, you know, could just, you know, s- take my time and prepare a beautiful cup of tea or make a delicious old fashioned and really relish in the whole ritual of, you know, um, muddling the cherry and pouring the whiskey and cooling the drink. And, but now it's, you know, especially when there's kids around, it's like how much, you know, craft dinner can I shove in my mouth from the pot? Because (laughs) I was busy doing something while the kids were eating dinner and now it's bedtime and I'm starving and I want to make sure I have something in my stomach before I start, you know, bedtime, bath time and the whole marathon of that. So having that extra few moments to create that mindfulness practice is, um, is a challenge, I think. Yeah. I mean, I, I find that it's really, I mean, I'm still, I feel like a new, like I see people and I, like, I even bring you into my awareness because I, I remember the ways that you would do things. And there, there's a certain level of sophistication that like a person that has, has learned how to manage all these like balls in the air has. And I see these videos and I see these like, you know, displays of taking care of something, like whether that's like how you make coffee or how you make pasta or how you choose certain food to bring into your fridge. There's a certain level of open-heartedness and genuine care. And I think it's really hard to give that much attention to something all the time, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think it is like, it is a practice. Like I find, um, I was joking with my partner a few days ago. I'm like, I need like your kind of food. Cause he's like really great in the kitchen. I'm like, I need, I need you to make it, you know, just cause Mm -hmm. it's like, I need to like experience something (laughs) that's like, um, beautiful. (laughs) It's it's like a shit show. Like it's Mm -hmm. like been a shit show all week. I just need that extra thing. Totally. Totally. I mean, when you were talking, I thought of this quote, I think it's a Brene Brown quote and it's, uh, what's the Brene Brown? I can't remember. It was, you know, a very busy mother had said this quote and it was, um, you know, yes, I'm juggling. And yes, there's lots of balls in the air. And the trick is not to keep all the balls in the air. The trick is to know which balls can drop. And I think about that quote often. Um, 
especially now when it's just been, you know, I'm on duty from the time the first kid wakes up until the time the last kid goes to bed. And even then still on call, you know, throughout the night. Um, (laughs) So some weeks we have very balanced meals and, you know, Rona and I eat salads and a delicious protein and the kids have, you know, four or five different colors on their plate and everything is delicious and everything seemed, all the meals seem to come together wonderfully. And then there's some weeks where it's, you know, frozen chicken fingers and apple slices for dinner. And I just, I can't have guilt about it because that's just what I needed for my mental health that week. I couldn't, you know, think three meals ahead of, right. you know, marinating tofu for tomorrow's dinner. You know, it just wasn't going to happen that week. Right. <laughs> but I think yeah. that talking about mindfulness, a good, when I'm in a mindful place and a calm place when I'm doing groceries, it definitely translates to the next week, how the next week's groceries is going to turn out. Oh, for sure. yeah. I mean, for sure. I I, def, I think that that's a huge, it, and I'm not saying this in like a perfectionist sort of way, but there's definitely a way that when you get plugged in, things just kind of work out better. And I mean, I totally hear you. Some days uh, there's that space to like steam a bunch of veggies and like have things prepped and be mindful about the groceries. And like, and then, the, then there's a time where it's like, everything's missing and it's like, mixed pairing and I'm just like what is going on (laughs) am I gonna make it out alive (laughs) yes it's a lot it's a lot well and I'm sure you know being a new mom and having a one-year-old there's some days where you're like what did I eat today oh yeah I ate like toast crusts off my kid's sandwich and you know leftover cucumber slices (laughs) yes yes but it's all, that's there's all definitely good. A, oh, yeah. There's definitely a lot of that. I, I noticed that, that sometimes I really have to think about what it is that um, happened. <laughs> what happened today? <laughs> well, and how do you, is there a, something that you prepare for yourself, like a food or a drink that you prepare for yourself every day that you're like, okay, this is going to be like my me time. This is my treat, or this is how I start my day. Yeah, I do. I'm very disciplined. Um, about one thing, which is that I wake up pretty early um, and I make myself a coffee and I meditate and I go for a run uh, or yoga. Like running is not really my thing, but it's just like been my thing lately or I practice yoga. And I think that that time period of like having that space to sort of figure out what I think and how I feel before I start my day really helps. Mm-hmm. But what I, what I do notice, and obviously like I can't imagine how this works with two kids. Like I I talked to my girlfriends about it, but like with one, I can sort of feel myself really fading in the afternoon Mm -hmm. and like like my, my awareness of my energy starts to drop. And I feel like in those moments, it's like, it can go into like a wasted afternoon of like feeling really, um, foggy. Mm-hmm. And I, I find that during those periods, I, I have to really implement like what I preach, which is like, try to like stay clear and get some air. And like, basically what I'm saying is like, that's when I feel like I mess up with myself mm-hmm. and I stuff myself or like, I, I'm not really aware of what I'm eating. I mean, these are silly examples, but sometimes like mm-hmm. if you, if I eat too fast or like, if I'm eating without awareness, it does impact 
the rest of my day. For sure. So the morning is sacred. Like the morning is like so, so, so important to me. Mm -hmm. Well, and when you were saying that, I just, it totally dawned on me. I hadn't even really thought of it. I had started feeling really tired last week and Every day last week, I had a sandwich for lunch, which is out of character. Usually I have a big salad, but I was just lazy. So I was like, you know, it's just easy to throw some like mortadella on a piece of bread. Mm -hmm. But I was so sluggish every single day last week in the afternoon. And it was probably because I didn't have my big usual salad with tons of lemon and capers. It was probably because I was just so sluggish from like the bread and the meat. Yeah. And I mean, it's delicious. Having a sandwich is delicious. So yummy. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. That just sort of like dawned on me, like, of course, because, and I had kind of like, you know, shoved it in my mouth while I'm feeding the kids and cleaning them up and getting them, you know, back outside. Um, Whereas if I had, you know, taken that extra few seconds and a deep breath um, and made myself a salad, I probably would have felt a bit better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, I think it's a great, I think that like these, my acupuncturist is like really exceptional. And they're always saying to me, like, whenever I'm feeling off, they ask me if I have been chewing my food and like how much I'm chewing my food. And I'm like, oh man, like, I really wish you wouldn't ask me this question. Cause it's like, it, it feels like such a boring question. Like I don't <laughs> want to contemplate like how much I'm chewing my food, but I really think that it does matter. Uh, totally. So my mom has like, my mom was on all these, you know, quinoa before quinoa is a thing. Like my mom's been shopping the big carrots since the eighties. Okay. So my mom has always been about are you chewing your food? Are you eating your bitters? Like, do you eat something bitter every day? Are mm-hmm. you making sure your stomach acid is good? Are you making, you know, what does your tongue look like? Stick out your tongue. <laughs> mm-hmm. be like, oh my God, mama, please. <gasps> but it is so important. And I, you know, I often find that sometimes when I'm rushing, I'm not chewing my food. I'm just kind of just like gobbling it down like a seagull, mm-hmm. which is so bad for your for your digestion. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I know for me that like when I'm like already, when I'm starting to feel overwhelmed, I tend to go faster, which is, it's like, you know, when someone someone, um, tries to calm down on top of tension, Mm. it's like, you can't really calm down when you're in tension. You kind of have to like express some of that tension and then the calmness can sort of start to move into the body and I think it's to my point of like sometimes it's counterintuitive and it doesn't really make sense because if I'm overwhelmed I should probably not have a second coffee and like start speeding up mm-hmm. and have like chocolate but it's like it happens <laughs> and it happens to all of us it happens to everyone yeah Totally. Well, and I mean, knowing you, when I think of you, like if I had to like use like a word association, I would say coffee and bicycles. <laughs> because <laughs> when you were yeah. uh, teaching us yoga, I remember you used to like ride your bicycle every day to our to our apartment. And I love that. I thought that was so amazing. And you always had coffee. And I love a good cup of coffee. I love making coffee. I love going for coffee. I love, you know, even Rome I mean, obviously he didn't have coffee, but when we used to go grocery shopping together, I'd say, okay, we're going to do a Starbucks run. And, you know, he gets so excited because he knew he was going to get a treat and we were going to sit down at a little table and we were going to sit face to face and have a chat um, and just the ritual of that. But when I'm super stressed, that's the first thing I want to do. 
not even, you know, sometimes in mind, I'm probably super stressed because I've drank my first coffee of the morning in like about five mm-hmm. minutes. And yes. Vibrating from the caffeine, but a second coffee will really calm me down. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I can totally relate to that. Yeah. Everything matters. I mean, like we don't want it to matter because it's like, you don't, you also, um, you know, in my, in my practice, because of COVID and because people are really struggling, you know, there's also this resistance to like, how much work do I have to do on myself? Like everything's already so difficult. So like, well, how, sh- how much more work can I possibly do on myself? And obviously like, it's an open question. It's a rhetorical question, but I think that um, everything does matter. Like the little things do matter. Um you know, if, if you want to cleanse your body or like your mind, you go through the liver and through the stomach. It's like, those things are really, those things are really important. Like if you want to see a difference in yourself, there's, there's like ways to do that. And generally they require us to give something up. Mm-hmm. I think that's so like important. Coffee. Found. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I know anytime I've done like a juice cleanse with no caffeine, you know, just, you know, pressed juices, usually the second day is hard, but at the end of the third day, I feel so clear headed and Mm -hmm. I feel like I could figure out how to build a rocket ship. Like I feel like everything just makes sense and there's no fogginess and there's no blocks. It's just, you know, so clear in my mind. Um, but, you know, yeah. with children, that's you can't drink juice all day and, you know, take yeah. a rest if you need a rest. Yeah, I, I remember a person that I was on like a meditation retreat with, like after the retreat telling, I was like, so what did you like? She was um, like a well-known um, homeopathic doctor and like all these people like, you know, kind of dug that the, like she was there. Right. And mm-hmm. I remember being like, so what did you like think of the food and like, how was the food for you? And like all these things. And, she, and, and she was just like, I was like, what do you think about fasting? Cause it's like, everyone was like, you know, vegan and like fasting and like drinking all these weird things. And she was like, fasting is really a practice of having quietude and having, having the space to go through a fast. It can be a pretty emotional process for a lot of people. And uh, it's not a practice for like, you're like in the middle of a busy week and you're just going to like get it done Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, of course people can say to me, like, come on, like, of course I can do a fast. I can like, uh, do like whatever that thing is called 16, eight or like, whatever, like one of those things you can do something to give, to give it, to give up some food and like to make yourself feel good or do the wild gross cleanse. Yeah. But I think on, on the deepest level, cleansing and fasting is uh it takes support it's a long process it's really helpful to have certain herbs it's helpful to have like an acupuncturist it's it's like it's a pretty privileged thing to do 
Well, and I didn't realize how, I think I'd only done it a couple of times uh, when I had one child, but I've done it once since I have the two and it was a couple of months ago and it was the most difficult time of my life. I thought that doing the cleanse and, you know, fasting and giving up certain things would give me some clarity, but it's, it really was like the straw that broke the camel's back because I mean, we are in a pandemic and, you know, it is busy and I still do need to make three meals a day for my, my growing young children. Um, and I, there just wasn't the space for it. It wasn't the space mentally, practicality, you know, time-wise, it just, it wasn't, I think I gave up after like a day and a half. (laughs) I was like, I can't, it's just, it can't mentally. I just couldn't do it. And I was disappointed at first, but looking back, it was like, what was I thinking? You know, you really have to be gentle with yourself when you're doing a fast. Um, When you're giving up any food, I think, because we have such an emotional connection with food. So when you give up something that you're so emotionally connected to, and maybe even a little bit addicted to, you need to give yourself that space and grace. Yeah, I, I completely hear you. Like, I have no doubt in my body that if you had you know, a few days alone somewhere (laughs) that you could do a three-day fast, like no big deal, you know, but Mm -hmm. take into account cooking for other people and sending your energy, so much energy out Mm -hmm. when it's like a time to bring energy in and to like, like release things. It can be like too confusing. I'm like, I'm sure it can be done, but it would just like, it's not the purpose. You're not getting yeah. the full effect of it almost. Yeah. Interesting. And to be that calm, I feel like the first cleanse I ever did that was like a very strong cleanse. I remember being like, a, and I was single, quote unquote. I remember being a total mess. It was super emotional. I was really flat. And it, it, it was like, I was not a sort of person that you would like want to like hang out with for a couple of days. Like I really took a lot out of me. And so I can't even imagine like being in a place where you're trying to fast on some level and like trying to take care of other people. It just feels like a lot but I'm sure people can, can like challenge me on this anyways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I want to also talk about, you know, maybe indulgences a little bit because I know that there was a point in time where you weren't really drinking um, and your indulgence was, I feel like you'd like, like chocolate, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, this is my indulgence. And um, is there a way now that you approach those things? that you see it as indulgences? Yeah, I think about this question so much because um, when I started dating my partner, um, we would like travel in Europe and go to like these beautiful places and have like orange wines. And I never considered myself like, um, I never I never thought that I had a problem with alcohol. So that was never the reason why I gave it up. But for many years, I just, it would never sit well. And a period came where it felt like it it was a pleasure and it was a joy. Um, And now I'm in this place where I love to have a scotch. I would love to have like a glass of wine. And then it, it doesn't do anything for me because the next day I just, I don't feel good. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like one of those things, like if I was like in Miami 
with like my girlfriends and I didn't have to like wake up at like five or six in the morning. Like I'm sure I could have some cocktails and like get silly and like not feel like it's a big deal at all. Mm -hmm. Um, But these days it just feels like I want to have fun with it, but it doesn't feel fun because I I think about the next day. Mm -hmm. This is probably a very boring answer, but like that's sort of where I'm at right now. But I think that's a mindful answer when you are thinking, am, am, do I want to indulge? Do I want to enjoy this glass of wine or this scotch? And then you're thinking, no, I don't. I'm not going to enjoy it. I'm not going to enjoy it tomorrow. I'm not going to enjoy it now. So why pour it? And I think why yeah. it's good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like, I feel okay with it. Like I, th- I, I, but I do miss my girlfriends and like, I do miss like um, sitting like on a patio and like, ordering a nice bottle of wine and like having some food, like all those things I miss. Mm. Um, But that's the ritual behind it. It's not just the booze, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, I think that my indulgence lately has been like (sighs) chocolate. I mean, I think it's it's like stayed the the same and my partner's gluten-free. So we kind of have to have these like flourless type things. But um, I think like chocolate actually does bring some like real, real joy. And uh, I am also indulging in um, my garden and like planning the garden and what, what could possibly happen with that and uh, if it's going to work out last year did not work out for me. My garden was like the worst it's ever been. And so, uh, it just happened like that. So I'm sort of excited about those two things. <laughs> well, I mean, you had a newborn last summer, so <laughs> gardens tend to take a lot of nurturing and I think you're, you know, your nurturing was going elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. But also I planted like this is just a side story, but like I planted all these different things and the only thing that worked out was the tomatoes and they spread over the whole yard. They like took over everything. (laughs) And so, and neither one of us eats tomatoes. And so we had like hundreds of of tomatoes and basically like, um, like nothing else. Like, I don't know how this happened, but it happened to me. That's funny. Yeah. Well, yeah, last year was my first year with like a true garden and our tomatoes also did amazing. We had tomatoes <laughs> until like, I want to say late October, like we were still eating tomatoes <laughs> that I like ripened on the counter. Yeah, I should. I actually, I remember seeing that. I, I remember seeing those pictures. So many. And then they would, like the raccoons and the bunnies would, would kind of like nip at them. So I would just tell Rome, like as soon as they were a certain size, he'd measure them with his little fist. I told him he could pick them and I would just let them ripen on the counter. Um, because the, and the squirrels, they were just having a heyday. So he, he loved it. And then the cucumbers wouldn't even make it into the kitchen. He would grab it, turn on the hose, rinse it off and eat it himself before it oh that's great <laughs> he loved it yeah so i'm excited i'm hoping cucumbers again this year that was fun yeah i actually don't have any cucumber plants so maybe that that that's uh that should be on my list too just a warning i planted some near my tomatoes and they took over the tomatoes and cucumbers are climbers so they would climb up the tomatoes and both would end up falling oh okay so like you'll need like a trellis or something for them to climb, okay, but they're good. beautiful and really pretty flowers. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't want to keep you too long because 
I know that you um, have an early morning. So how can people get at you? How can people learn more about the retreats when those start happening again and about your practice? Yeah, I am... I have a website. It's bigtreemind.com. And lately I've been, I, I've actually, I've posted a, a podcast episode and I'm doing some um, sort of at home ceremonies that have to do with meditation practice and journeying, which is uh, basically using your imagination and drumming to enter uh, different states of consciousness. And so I have events posted on my website and I am uh, working in my psychotherapy practice, which is also available online. And yeah, they can send me an email and ask any questions. And if I've said anything that doesn't make sense or they want to know about, they can email me at lana at bigtreemind.com. Amazing. And as an aside about your rituals, I attended one was it last month, I think, and it was it was amazing. I really, really loved it. Oh, good. Thanks. Thanks for coming. Yes, we do it every um, new moon. So I think the next new moon is June 10th and it's at 7.30 p.m. Okay, well, I want to wrap it up with just some silly rapid fire questions. Great. <laughs> okay, water or land? Oh, it's a tough one. Land, mountains. <laughs> mm. uh, apple or pineapple? Apple. Favorite drink? What kind of drink? Whatever you like. Um, right now I'm thinking Negroni. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, imagine you're in a cafe anywhere in the world. And you hear a clinking of glasses, people chatting, maybe there's some music. What city are you in? Uh, Paris. <laughs> are you inside or outside? I am inside. Are you drinking something? Yeah, I'm drinking something. But I think I just got there. <laughs> <laughs> you just sat down. You're getting yourself sorted. <laughs> You're yes. smelling food. You haven't ordered something yet. <laughs> yes and who are you yes. with I'm with my partner I like I like I like going to places with him amazing well I love that and if you were to pick a food to describe your personality what would it be lamb definitely lamb like a roasted lamb mm, <laughs> delicious <laughs> what about you what is yours um, I usually like to think of mac and cheese because oh. <laughs> I'm a crowd pleaser and I'm, you know, I'm good at a backyard barbecue, barbecue sauce, you know, easy going, easy breezy, but you know, a little truffle oil and some, you know, some panko. And I'm just as, just as I fit in just as well as a fancy, at a fancy restaurant. Oh my gosh. So, you really, like, I love that description so much. You've really thought, thought about this. You know what? I had been playing with the idea when I had thought about the podcast, I thought it'd be a fun little question to ask all the guests. And I said, okay, well, I have to think of what I would be for myself. And I had thrown out a couple of things. And then Ronan was like, I like a hundred percent like mac and cheese. And then I was like, yeah, because, you know, I'm so versatile and I can like fit in anywhere. And he goes, yeah, like, you know, at Jacob's, you can fit at Jacob's, you can fit at, at you know, a truck stand, <laughs> a backyard <Here's>, barbecue. <laughs> you are so funny. What was the, I don't remember what I was listening to, but if it was one of your episodes, 
um, where you talk about like going to into a steakhouse and I just like, I could just like picture you um, at a steakhouse with some mac and cheese, Mm -hmm. some, some, some side dishes. Yes. That's my favorite. Like I love going when we go to a steakhouse, we usually order like two or three different cuts and then we get them to sort of like um, fillet them so that we can kind of try the different, the different cuts of meat or the different types of um, the different types of beef. And then just like a bunch of side dishes, like for Jacob, I love their roasted tomato. They do like a roasted tomato with like feta on top. And then they do the table side Caesar and mac and cheese, of course, with like the truffle, truffle oil on top. It's all oh, it's so good. My mouth is watering now. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, we'll we'll have to we'll have to remember this moment and go together when um when COVID uh when this life allows us to go. Yes, and I need to have you over and just make you like a delicious Negroni. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Okay, my level, thank you for joining me today. It was such a pleasure having you. Thank you, Billy. Isn't Lana amazing? I think there are so many gems in this episode. A note, I've been trying to find the episode I heard about the quote for all the balls in the air, and I believe the quote is actually Shauna Rhimes while she was interviewed for a podcast, but I haven't been able to find the episode as of yet. When I do, I will add it to the show notes because I think it's a fantastic episode. I also want to acknowledge if you were listening to this in June, we are in Pride Month. Growing up a young and bluer, I started attending the Toronto Pride Parade as a kid. It literally went by the building I grew up in. I remember asking my mom what the parade celebrated, and her answer was undoubtedly an age-appropriate simple answer something along the lines of to celebrate love and being free to love whomever. Of course, Pride and Pride Month means so much more, and the first Pride Parade was actually a riot. Growing up so close to Church Street in Toronto gave me a peek into gay culture, and whether LGBTQ plus or an ally, I hope you take some time to celebrate and educate yourself on the culture in this beautiful month. Cheers and namaste.